if it prospers, you too will prosper. And it speaks of God's peace, God's prosperity coming, God's well-being, God's salvation, uh, God's wholeness coming to the whole city. And, and as it does, then everyone benefits, including ourselves. And then we read in Daniel, who was one of those refugees, he was one of those exiles in Babylon, and how he and his friends uh, live in the culture, but they live in a distinctive way that challenges the culture and brings about that blessing uh, to the place where they find themselves in as they depend on God. And so we have these words, rebuild, restore, renew. And uh, the re-words of the Bible clarify God's position towards evil, towards injustice, and towards brokenness uh, in our world. Um, you may have experienced some of those things firsthand in your own life, but all of us are aware of it around us, even in the news as we look at it this week. The rewords are all about returning something to its original intended state in a positive way. It might be a person's life. It might be a relationship. It might be a community. It might be a culture or even an environment. Returning it to what God originally intended it to be, uh, where it is blessed. And we read of many other great big rewords in the New Testament. The whole gospel is founded on words that begin with those two letters. For example, reconcile, um, a huge word. Um, in the New Testament. The possibility that even though we've gone our own way, God has made it possible through the death of Jesus on the cross for us to be reconciled, brought back into relationship uh, with God. The word redeem, um, it means that he's paid the ransom price for us so that we can be set free. And uh, Jesus pays that price, gives his life so that we can live free and we can live full, uh, thriving lives. And the word resurrection, another humongous word in the New Testament in our gospel, that Jesus rises from the dead and defeats death itself. And God not only wants us to deal, God, God not only wants to deal with the wrong out there in the world, he wants to deal with the wrong in here in our lives. And because of what Jesus has done on the cross and because of the resurrection in defeating even death itself, that has become possible. And so God changes us on the inside, but he also then sends us out to make a difference in the world. So not only being part of the problem, but actually becoming part of the solution. And these three words are not just um, kind of words of assurance for us for when we get to heaven, that actually all will be right. But they're actually words that shape the purpose of the church. They shape the purpose of our lives day by day. So first of all, reconcile. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we are to be ambassadors of reconciliation. Okay, we are to be those that bring reconciliation to everything uh, around us, helping people find relationship with God, first of all, and then out of that forgiveness, extending it to others and seeing reconciliation in their other relationships um, uh, as they, they pray for that. Uh, the word redeem, again, we're to help people find their freedom, uh, to let them know that the ransom price has already been paid for them and uh, that they can be free of guilt. They can be free from the feelings of failure. They can be free of addiction. They can be free from sin. You have been rescued, you have been redeemed. But also we are people of the resurrection, that we ourselves are resurrected. The old has gone, it says, the new has come. Okay, you are no longer the old you, you are the new you. You are uh, a Christ one, you are a Christian, and we're to live following in his footsteps, not in our old footsteps, and that we so often fall into. Because we've been recreated, another one, um, again, in Christ Jesus for good works. 
Okay, we've been recreated for a reason. Okay, we're saved from something, but we're saved for something to make a difference. And so those rewords remind us that God's original intention was very good. Okay, we may have a fallen, broken world, and yet it is a redeemed world, and we are to be agents of bring restoration to that world that we find ourselves in. So we don't stay separated. We don't stay distant from it, but we're to get up close to it. We're to listen. We're to engage with the community we find ourselves in. We're to bring God's glory by living for the good of the world. And so God invites you to be part of that, whoever you are. And he says of you, I want you to be a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I I see you as a righteous oak in this city, making a difference uh, where you live, where you work, in your community, in your family, wherever that might be. Um, Now, we could look at our world. We could look at the brokenness of our world, and we could be overwhelmed by it rather than hopeful. So how, how do we struggle with that? Can we actually make a meaningful difference? Well, here's a guy who just in the year 2000, Paddy, um, Paddy Henderson and his wife, Carol, and they received a call from a mum in Salisbury. Um, and she phoned up and she said, uh, my children are going to bed hungry tonight. What can you do about it? And Instead of being overwhelmed by that, he went away and started to see that as an opportunity. And he started to research poverty and uh, deprivation in the UK. And he found that significant numbers of, of families were facing um, hungry, hunger as a result of a sudden crisis that had come across them. And so he started the Salisbury Food Bank in his shed and in his garage to provide three days of emergency food for local people in crisis. Now, many of you will now know that that has mushroomed, okay? They now see, oh, support over 1,200 food banks across the, the nation. You know, we support it every third Sunday here with, with offerings and gifts towards that. Um, and it's known as the Trussell Trust, emergency food across the country and additional support for people who need it to tackle some of the root causes that sweep people into poverty. And they also help build resilience in, in people's lives so that they don't need uh, to rely on food banks in the future. But it ha- started by helping one mum and her kids from a shed. Okay, overwhelmed and paralyzed, or do we see one opportunity to make a difference and are hopeful and prayerful in that? And we can learn right the way through history. You know, the, the early Christians, there are many, many stories of how Christians run towards trouble uh, and the misery of others and not away from it. Um, for example, there's the plague of Cyprian. It was named after some guy who wrote about it in uh, AD 250 to 270. It was a plague that swept the Roman Empire. And uh, the, the Romans blamed the Christians because there was a widespread persecution of Christianity at the time. And so they said oh, it was caused by the Christians. The problem was there was two inconvenient truths. One was that Christians were dying from it as well. And secondly, okay, they were the ones that were helping their pagan neighbors. Okay, they were stepping into other people's lives to care for them and often dying as a result, unlike everyone else. Perhaps uh, there's the fire bearers of Ephesus. This is in the first century of the church. And uh, Ephesus, some of you will know, was a pagan town uh, dominated by the temple of Artemis, uh, one of the Greek fertility gods. And it absolutely dominated the the town uh, or the city. 
And the priests at the temple used to keep a continual fire going as part of their worship um, of the gods um, and of the false idols. But fire was obviously an essential part of everything in life. You know, you need it to keep warm. You need it to do the cleaning. You need it to um, do the cooking. And if your fire went out at home, then you had to go to the temple to get some more hot coals or to get some more fire from the fire that they kept going there. And um, if it went out, it was like a power cut, okay? But uh, you had to go to the temple. And um, of course, when you got to the temple, the priests would charge you for the fire, okay? And it was an offering, supposedly, to appease the gods. And so the fire keepers of this ancient temple were the kind of the ancient Ephesus equivalent of our gas and electricity companies with uh, a fairly unfavorable dual fuel tariff uh, that they had going. And they had complete monopoly on the whole system. And they taught everyone that if you got fire from anywhere else, you'd be in big trouble with the gods and uh, all sorts of terrible things would happen to you. It was an affront to the gods. But the archaeologists discover that the Christians in Ephesus lived differently. Okay? When they noticed somebody didn't have any fire, then they had their own fireballs, and they would take their own fire and uh, share it with their poor neighbors that needed fire. And uh, that simple act of love made a very powerful statement. It provided life-saving fire to a person who may not have been able to pay the temple price, Secondly, it deprived the pagan temple of its much needed income. And thirdly, it proclaimed to the world that the Christians in Ephesus were not afraid of the pagan gods. And so the question remains for every generation is what might it mean to be a fire bearer? What are the things that we can do that are countercultural that help renew, rebuild, transform our cities today? And as far as we know, those first century Christians didn't kind of go out with placards and complain. They didn't try and get laws passed in their favor. Simply let acts of kindness, acts of faith, and slowly, slowly they see the demise of uh, the pagan temples and the rise of Christendom in the following centuries. And so in answer to that question, we want to look at four questions. And these are questions we've looked at before, but they're helpful to continually remind ourselves of them and to look at how they can inspire us in the places we find ourselves. And the first of those questions is this, what is good in our culture that we could promote, that we could protect, that we could celebrate? Because we believe in a God who has created a world that in his own words were good. And uh, even though our world has fallen and the entry of sin into the world, much of that goodness is still around in different places. In 2016, uh, some of you will remember um, the, the, the infamous Brexit referendum. And uh, following that, there was a whole lot of um, a kind of cultural tension. So um, Eastern Europeans in Birmingham, there were some things around some of the Asian communities. And there were acts of violence uh, committed. And it became a bit of an issue around here. Now, interestingly, a humanist guy called Adrian Bailey picked this up through his wife, who was Hungarian. He was married to a Hungarian woman who picked up a lot of hateful and anti-immigrant comment. And so he, as the head of the British Humanist Society, wanted to do something. And so he goes to the Bishop of Birmingham and he says, I've got an idea about how we can love our neighbors better. In fact, um, didn't Jesus say something about loving our neighbors as ourselves? So he's your guy, isn't he? So maybe, maybe you should do something for the city. And so they come up with a plan. 
Oh, there it is. Love your neighbor. And this banner campaign went viral. Okay, the, the Birmingham Mail took it on. It went across every school in Birmingham, every library in Birmingham, every public building in Birmingham. Just as a simple statement of how do we love those around us and make a difference to remind us what we're about. So here's something good that was celebrated, that was promoted um, around, even though ultimately it was from someone else in the culture. The second question we can ask ourselves, what is missing in people's lives? What is missing in people's lives that we can creatively contribute to? Uh, you know, God has made us as creative beings. You know, there's lots of very amazing ideas that we come up with. And to use that creativity to solve some of the issues around us because God is glorified and the world is helped. And um, there's a ministry in Birmingham called uh, Rivers of Gold. And it seeks to equip and empower uh, refugees and asylum seekers. It helps them to belong and it helps them in practical ways uh, as well. And one of the challenges they identified, something that was missing, if you like, was a means of transport. Because they're like, well, how do these people who are living on just over 35 pound a week get around this huge city? And so they came up with a very simple yet genius idea of providing bikes for them, the bike project. Okay, it's based down in Balsall Heath. Pick up secondhand bikes, fix them up, and give them to refugees. And also train them in bike maintenance so that they can get around the city for free, effectively, and make a massive difference in their lives. Again, we can look at our city as Christians and we very quickly think what is missing. And there are big issues of, of truth that are missing. There's big issues of spirituality that is missing. There's big issues of the gospel effectively is missing uh, in our culture and in our society. And so various initiatives have been around, like Try Praying that we got involved with a couple of years back particularly. You know, a creative way of trying to address that and encouraging people to just try praying for seven days and see what happens with the books, with the bus campaign, with the app uh, and the rest. Um, another thing that I'm, I'm involved in getting a large mission uh, organized across Birmingham and across the Midlands. Um, and uh, the, the, the NIA is booked, right? This is a big step, 13,000 people. But at the heart of it isn't an event. At the heart of it is mobilizing thousands of Christians across Birmingham and, and beyond in just sharing simply the gospel with our friends. Because that's overwhelming. And yet one person bringing one person isn't. That is something we can begin to ask God to do to make a difference as we bring the gospel to people. And we'll have the opportunity to be trained ourselves uh, in February um, and do some stuff that will just encourage us and re-inspire us as we share faith because gospel is very much missing in our culture. And as we gather tonight to pray, that is what we're praying for. You know, we're praying... I thought it was me there. We're praying that... Uh, for that creativity. We're praying that God will lead us in the ways he wants us to make a difference. We're praying that all of these rewords that we read of in the Bible will become reality in our communities, that people will be changed, they will be rebuilt, they will be restored, they will be renewed um, through that. The third question that we can ask ourselves is what is evil in our culture that we can stop? You know, God hates evil. We all hate injustice. Um, and all the way through history, courageous Christians have worked to stop uh, those things that deceive people and those things that destroy people's lives. You know, at home here at Riverside, we might think of um, the evil that debt causes people and how Riverside Money Advice, you know, one person at a time 
um, helps people keep their homes when they might have lost them. It helps them pull back from the brink of suicide. And there's a, a, just a steady trickle of people even not only getting free from debt, but actually coming to faith in Jesus as well. We might think of trafficking and modern day slavery. There's a, there's a young Christian guy uh, who set up a thing called Hope for Justice. And he got some ex-police officers together. Um, to begin to deal with the trafficking issues. And they set up a team in Birmingham a few years back to deal with that. And they are now the first port of call that the authorities go to or people go to rather than the police. Okay, that's how well they're doing with what they're about. We've got Riverside Performing Arts and the theater company, you know, going into schools to tackle the issues of young people. You know, the evils of self-harm, of sexting, of um, internet safety and, and, and all the rest. You know, what is the evil in our society that we can help stop. And then the fourth question is what is broken in our society that we can restore? And many, many things are broken. We might think of relationships that are often broken. You know, a, a simple parenting course, maybe one way that just strengthens uh, the ability for people to relate uh, with their kids um, and build some resilience there and give them new confidence. A marriage course may be helpful in, in helping those that have struggled in marriage or, or strengthening marriages to prevent them from breaking. Um, Sutton Baptist Church uh, are running a divorce recovery workshop um, this autumn. I think it's an outlook and uh, just an opportunity for people's lives who have been broken by divorce just to support them in beginning to rebuild their lives as well. What is broken in our society that we can help restore? It might even be an offer to step in in our communities at times to help resolve something where it's broken down or in the workplace. And all of these things demand courage of us, okay? They do demand courage. That's the challenge for us because it's so easy to stay separate and not get involved. Many of you are, are in jobs where you're doing this every day. You might in the health service, in education, in charities, um, you know, creating jobs for people through business, lots of different ways and asking those questions. How do these questions apply in the context where I, I am in? And how can I turn them into prayers, the prayers I'm praying for what this might look like here? What is good? What is missing? What is evil? What is broken? And let me be your hands. Let me be your feet. Let me be your voice into this. Because there is no sector of society that is exempt. There is no no-go areas for God. Every part of society, you know, God can step into and God sends us into to be light uh, through that. So don't stay separate. Don't stay distant, but let's get up close. Let's engage. And what is God leading us into? Just very briefly, um, I want to mention five key growth points in our lives or five key rhythms that I think are really helpful for us to make a difference uh, and change our city uh, or our, our communities that we're called to. The first is to be generous, generosity. Simply to have generous hearts, to be generous with our words, to bless, to encourage, to affirm, generous uh, in thoughtful giving, uh, generous in practical kindness. You know, God is a God who just wants to bless. That comes out of his generosity. And we need to be people that reflect that, or we will, if we grow in that, we will make a difference. It, it will, can't help but make a difference. The second rhythm that we can develop is hospitality, being hospitable, because life is about people. 
You know, our city is not about primarily about buildings on a skyline. It's primarily about communities of people uh, and the diversity that is in there. And, uh, and so therefore, it's about being hospitable. Let's eat with people. Let's have a coffee with people. Let's have a beer with people. Let's connect with people. Let's listen to people's stories and uh, begin to connect in that way through hospitality, something we can build into our lives. The third um, rhythm, if you like, is being spirit-led. You know, God has called you for something, and that works itself out every day and every week. And so simply to be listening for God's leading, who do you want me to bless, Lord? You know, who are you bringing along my path this week? Make me ready for that. How can I bless them? How can I live in a way that just provokes some curiosity in my office, in my school, in my workplace, in my community, in my street? Um, lead me, Lord. A simple time each day to say, here I am, Lord. Lead me. Lead me. Um, I'm yours today. Christ-likeness. To how to live in a Christ-like way as a Christian. And one of the ways we can do that is to immerse ourselves in just the Gospels, in, in who Jesus was and what he said and what he did. Um, you know, often we need, in life we need re-energizing, but actually we also need re-Jesusing quite a bit. You know, just remind me, Jesus, about what you were really like. And uh, if you struggle with the Bible every day, then I, I met a group recently, and what they do is they, they just read six verses of the Gospel. It's not a lot, is it? Six verses. And they circle the verbs, the action words. Okay? And out of that, they just then begin to reflect on how do these words apply to my life? How can I put some of these into practice? And uh, we start to live in the words and the ways of Jesus in a Christ-like way. And then fifthly and lastly, sent. Just continually being reminded that we are sent people. We are being propelled out into our world into the highways and the byways as agents of transformation. And simply to reflect on ways, which is why I asked that question at the very beginning. What are the ways today, this week, where the opportunities God's provided for me to be a blessing to someone? Did I take that opportunity? Did I miss that opportunity? But as we begin to reflect on that, as we begin to pray about it, as we begin to think about that, then we will see more and more the opportunities that we have every single day, every single week um, throughout uh, our lives. And I believe that if we continue building these five things into our lives, we won't fail to be and do all that God calls us to be. It's very, very simple. We will find ourselves rebuilding and restoring and renewing and reconciling and redeeming and living these resurrected lives that display God's splendor um, to others. Can we change our city? I think the, se the secret is to start small. And with God. Because the real question is not whether we can in fact change our city, but the question is how will we respond to the next opportunity? Okay, the one person that might come our way. How will we make a difference? Will we act and look to God in that? Will we do whatever we do well for his splendor, for his glory? Will we be generous? Will we be hospitable? Will we be spirit-led and courageous? Will we live in a Christ-like way? Will we know that we've been sent into that situation, into that opportunity. There's a, a top leader of the US Marines gives inspirational talks. And one thing he once said was this, he said, if you want to change the world, start by cleaning your room. And um, there's a truth to that. Okay, what is the one thing? Just start doing one thing. You change that, then you start to grow in how you change 
everything else. Small steps can start today making small differences with great love every day.